Uh, We're going to be looking at the last part of Mark chapter 13. If you can find that, that would be great. I was looking at this passage for for some other reason a few weeks ago, and it's been sticking in my head, so I thought I'd share it with you um, this morning. So Mark chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 32 to 37. So if you can... This is great. I'm hearing pages rustle rather than seeing thumbs move. So this is good. You, You still actually have... Scripture in books here. That's good to know. I love that. It's taken 2,000 years and we're, we're strolling our way through the Scriptures again. Um, Mark 13, verse 32. Let me read um, these words to us. Jesus, in this passage, is the one who is speaking. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Maybe some of us need to hear that literally this morning. It's (laughs) been a long week and it's still a.m. and we're struggling a bit. Uh, Jesus in this passage, you may well know Mark 13, is is speaking really about his return, um, about his second coming. And uh, it strikes me there are are two dangers uh, when we think about the return of Jesus Christ. One is that we we end up believing more than what what the Bible actually says. And the other is that we believe less than what the Bible says. Um, An example of the first actually I think comes from Sydney. There was a a group in Australia quite a few years ago called Mission to the Coming Days. And I was talking to someone about this this week. I think it was in Sydney. Uh, Sydney is where the religious crazies obviously (laughs) can be found. And this group had predicted that Jesus was going to return that year on October the 19th at 2 o'clock in the morning. And so they were preparing for that, and that, that night they were all out and ready to sort of celebrate. I don't know if they had streamers and party poppers or whatever they did, but they were, they were there ready for this to happen. And because they had publicised this, there was quite a crowd who had gathered just to turn up and watch. This is going to be fun. Anyway, the hour came, nothing seemed to happen, and so the mockery began, and one onlooker said he ended up feeling quite sorry for this group because some of them were in floods of tears and he tried to, one of them was near him so he went up to them, he tried to cheer them up and uh, he ended up saying that immortal line entirely unintentionally, cheer up mate it's not the end of the world (laughs) Uh, it is sadly though not uncommon for groups to kind of specify these kinds of things, someone told me that last night Jesus was meant to send a tsunami over Sydney. Did you hear this? Some group was advertising this was going to happen. I don't know if that was the Anglican Diocese of Sydney or or someone else, but anyway. (laughs) But it is very easy for us to try to say more than the Bible actually says on this. And the other danger, and sometimes we fall into this trap because we're trying to avoid the first one, is that we end up believing less than the Bible says. And for many Christians, talk of the second coming, the, the end of all things, becomes a bit of a cliche. It's one of those things where we start to slightly roll our eyes and 
People say, oh, you're, you're one of those types of Christians. It feels very unsophisticated. And so we do need to do that kind of reality check on ourselves and ask whether we can say with a full and happy heart, along with the Apostles' Creed, that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. Do we believe that in our hearts? It's easy to rattle it off because we know those words so well, we kind of say them automatically, but do we believe it? Do we live as though that is a reality that is coming to us? Well, this passage doesn't give us an exhaustive account of all the things that the Bible says about this, but it does tell us some things that we need very much to take to heart. Jesus makes some very clear claims about his return. Uh, He makes them with the very same certainty uh, with which he makes the claims about his death and resurrection. And so that really does come down to whether we trust him on this. Uh, This whole section has begun with Jesus talking about the destruction of the temple. Uh, There's a lot in this passage that, that Christians will scratch their heads over, and me included. But what is clear is that the coming destruction of the temple is a sign of what is going to happen to the whole earth. It's like the the movie trailer. And in the the previous paragraph to the one we're looking at, Jesus seems to be talking about this prospect for Jerusalem. He's talking about these things that's going to happen in their time now, pointing forward to that day at the end of time, which is when we then come to our, our passage. And it's one of those ones where it's fairly easy to see what the point is. Okay, sometimes it takes a little bit of work to try and work out what the main point of a text is, but but Jesus is not subtle in this passage. Uh, See if you can spot the common thing. Verse 33, be on guard, keep awake. Verse 34, like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to keep awake. Therefore, Stay awake. Verse 37, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Okay, Jesus is, is putting pretty you know, obvious with us. And so two questions we need to ask is why do we need to stay awake? And what does it mean to stay awake? And I think these two points, again, help us make sure we, we don't believe more than what the Bible says and we don't believe less. So firstly, why do we need to stay awake? And Jesus gives us a very clear rationale. He says, verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, because you don't know when the time will come. We need to stay awake spiritually. We need to be ready and alert spiritually, because no one knows when the day will actually take place. And it does seem to be that the tendency for for a lot of Christians to devote enormous energy into trying to find out when that day is. And so you have all these kind of convoluted algorithms and and ways of thinking this through. And the American Sixth Fleet has gone into the Middle East, and that's a fulfillment of Revelation 12. And that means that next Tuesday, and, and so it goes on. And they try to pin down when the end is going to come. Jesus says... No one knows. Uh, Verse 32, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse uh, verse 33, for you do not know. 
So four categories of those who don't know. Jesus says no one knows, you don't know, the angels in heaven don't know, and the Son of Man doesn't know. Now we shouldn't need more than the first of those. Jesus says no one knows. That should settle it. But we always think we are the exception to no one. Uh, We're a special case. And we think, yeah, I know that's that's the case for everybody else. But but this is you and me, God. We've got something special going on here. (laughs) Um, I get to to travel a lot in the the work I'm doing at the moment. And it means I've I've clawed my way up to the kind of top tier with with the airline loyalty program. And it means I get all the perks. And it's just wonderful. Um, If you like... There's a, there's a perverse and I'm sure very, very sinful joy in seeing a long queue of people that you can entirely bypass. But it means I, I can go through the fast track security lane. Um, I don't have to empty half of my suitcase as I go through it. Um, I don't have to join the line for immigration. I get priority seat choice, priority checking in, priority lounge access, priority boarding, and some of you hate me already. <laughs> And the, the, the thing is, I'm so used to, to now that being the case that when I think of air travel, there's, there's how it works for everyone else and then there's how it works for me. I'm not other people. They, they wait around, they, they take a long time, I just zip through. And every now and then I have to use a different airline and I suddenly realise what everyone else has to go through. No perks, no preferential treatment, no insider track. And it's the same with this. Now, there are ways in which God deals with each of us uniquely, the way he gifts us, maybe the vocation he gives us. But there are also ways in which God deals with us all exactly the same way. And this is one of those areas. So no matter what else you think you've got going on with God, Jesus says, you don't know when that hour is going to be. You don't know. And just to kind of reinforce the point beyond any doubt, he then says, listen, the angels don't know. You know, think about the backstage passes those guys get. Imagine what they get to see. Imagine what they are exposed to. Imagine what they have access to. And Jesus says they don't know. It's not just you that's being cut out of this. They are as well. And then here's the the absolute key point. Jesus says that even the Son doesn't know. The eternal Son of God himself does not know the hour. Now, Jesus saying that in verse 32 tends to to bother a lot of people. Uh, Bothers those of a more kind of theologically liberal persuasion because, because Jesus is claiming to be the divine Son. And it can bother those of a a more conservative persuasion because Jesus says there's something he doesn't know. And that troubles us. He's the divine son and yet how can he not know something? So here's the thing. Yes, a a verse like this can can fry our brains. It's good to wrestle with that. It's good to think it through. You're in a really good place to do that here. But, as you scratch your head and kind of wrestle this through and think it out, don't miss the point. 
don't lose sight of the main thing Jesus is saying because the main point Jesus is making is this. If the son doesn't know this, if the father hasn't told him, I promise you he's not going to tell you and therefore you need to stay awake. You need to be alert. Um, I heard someone say, I can't remember who it was now, that when it comes to Jesus' return, we're on the welcoming committee, we're not on the planning committee. Jesus says he will return, the fulfilment of all things will take place. We don't know when that's going to be. We can't know when that's going to be. And so Jesus says we need to be alive to that and to remain spiritually alert and ready. Not knowing when it's going to be means it could be at any time. And therefore we need to be ready at any time. So Jesus says that's why we need to stay awake. But then we also need to ask the question, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to stay awake? Well, Jesus gives us a a little parable in verse 34. He says it's like a man going on a journey When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Very good kind of everyday analogy. It may not work for some of us. Maybe we don't typically leave home and put our servants in charge and sort the doorkeeper out. I don't know if that's... I mean, I'm from England, so all of us do that when we go away, but um, (laughs) maybe different here. But maybe think think of an apartment building where they've got someone... Uh, on the front desk 24-7. I've got a friend who lives in the Upper East Side in New York, and he was telling me that some of these massive apartment buildings, actually a lot of the apartments are owned by people from overseas who just keep them as an investment, and so sometimes there are very few people actually living in them. And yet there's some poor guy on the front desk who has to be there And some of these guys, this is completely true, have mental health issues because they can go for days without seeing anyone. But they still have to be there just in case that's the day one of the residents turns up. They have to be there and they have to be awake and they have to be ready. And Jesus says we have to be ready and alert as well. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus follows up this kind of teaching with a, with a parable about the talents, which makes it clear that keeping watch actually means we need to be working for Jesus. It's not a passive inactivity. It's not just that we, we sit at a desk twiddling our thumbs and, and waiting for something to happen. No, we're meant to be using this time for Jesus. Uh, In the parable he gives us here and in the parable in in Matthew 24, we're his servants. Uh, We belong to him. He owns us. Paul reminds us that we've been bought at a price. Our lives are not our own. They belong to him. And so like the master in this parable, Jesus has the right to tell us what to do. And like the servants in the parable, we have an obligation to obey him, to do what he says. And so, friends, at the very least, staying awake means not thinking of your life as your life. Because it isn't. 
that's often our assumption, is it? What am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do with my resources, with my vacation, with my home, with my relationships, with my gifting, with my career? But Jesus says all that we have has been given to us by him. All of it is his by rights. It's not ours. And so everything we have is to be used for him, for his purposes. And here's the wonderful thing. It's not that, it's not that we have to work for Jesus. It's that we get to. You stop and think about it. It's, it's actually a bit crazy. Jesus allows us to be involved with his work. We don't have to use our lives for his sake. We get to do that. Jesus is that generous with his trust. He gives us responsibility. He gives us opportunities. He gives us things to do. We get to play a part in his kingdom purposes. That's ridiculous. We get to be used for his glory and not for ours. What could be better? How did that happen? And what am I doing here? To know in any other context that we have a master and that we are servants would sound deeply unattractive, but with Jesus it is beautiful. Not least because as we think about our master speaking in this passage, we think about where he's heading. Because it's only going to be a short period of time before he lives, he, he gives his life up for us. And so this is a master we can trust. This is a master we can serve, not just out of obligation, but with our whole hearts, because of who he is. So let's not believe more than the Bible says. Let's not try and add to it by trying to pin down when the second coming is going to happen. But let's not believe less by using our lives for ourselves and not for Jesus. And as we wait, let's stay awake in the way that I used to stay awake as a little boy when it was December the 24th and I couldn't sleep. One way of staying awake is to have someone kind of prodding and poking and alarms going off every few minutes and that kind of stuff. If you've ever been driving late at night and really sleepy, it's a horrible feeling because you're desperately trying to concentrate. There's a few journeys where I've gotten home and I thought, I don't remember the last 10 miles. (laughs) But there's the other kind of staying awake where you just can't sleep like a little boy waiting for Christmas morning. I'm too excited to go to sleep. This is going to be too wonderful. We don't just wait for Jesus, we long for him. In that sense, we can't wait for him. That should keep us up, and that should keep us busy. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we thank you for these words in Mark 13. We pray that you would give us such a longing 
for Jesus. That what we have of him now would make the wait for the fulfillment in one sense unbearable for us. That we really can't wait to be with him. And Father, please help us to use these days. We don't know how many they will be. But help us to use them for Jesus. Help us to use them really well. Forgive us for when we think of our, our time and our lives and our resources as ours. Keep reminding us that we get to serve Jesus. And what an amazing privilege that is. Help us to encourage each other in this. Help us to be useful to Christ. And we pray that by doing so, we might draw others to him. And we pray in his wonderful name. Amen.